We're playing buy or sell today in replacement for Raphael. We're going to talk about some of the guys who we see as hot starts that are real, cold starts that will get better coming up on Locked On NBA Big Board. My name is Richard Stamen, joined by Leaf Tulin. We are back. Uh, we have not hosted an episode, I don't think, in probably six months together. Raphael's out of the country, so we're filling in for him. You can find me on Twitter at MavsDraft. You can find Leaf on there at Leaf Tulin. We are going to talk today about some buy or sell, who we see as the hot starts are real, the cold starts aren't, or the hot starts aren't real and the cold starts uh, are real. So we're going to get into that, but first... Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA Big Board your for first listen of the day. We're in the start of December. Draft season isn't at its sexiest time, so we really appreciate your support. The show has grown so much over the last two years. We've been, in, we've been doing this two and a half years, actually. We started the Cade Cunningham draft. And we just, we greatly appreciate that. So Leaf, I know you're a little bit under the weather today. So let's do some buy or sell. We'll start, you know, just going a little bit deep into a couple guys we see starting hot. Some of these guys that we see who have started cold. And then we're going to do some rapid fire at the end of this. Do some just, hey, these are some names who have started hot. They've risen on some early draft boards. Where do we see them as, is it an overreaction? Is it the right reaction? So let's start with a guy that I think both of us have had mixed feelings on back and forth for a hot start, and that one's Cody Williams at Colorado. He is off to a killer start. 14 points a game on 62% shooting, three and a half rebounds, two assists, one steal, two turnovers a game. But that is just ridiculous efficiency. He's had some really big games against, uh, most recently actually, against Pepperdine at 21 points on 9 of 13, against top 25 team, barely a loss against Colorado State. He had 21 points on 8 of 12. It's just consistent, high-level performance. And we haven't seen that. We didn't see that really in the USA FIBA event. What have you thought about Cody Williams so far? He's been an interesting watch where I feel like his numbers are very, very impressive. And the watch is a little less impressive. Um, but you can't argue with a true freshman putting up those type of numbers, especially against the caliber of opponents. They lost in overtime to Florida State, a game which Colorado, I think, probably should have won. Um, KJ Simpson, another guard in Colorado, kind of tossed that one away. And then they lost against a very good Colorado State team, um, in which he shined as the like the most NBA ready player on that court as a true freshman. Uh, I've been impressed with his intermediate game more so than the 60% from three, like that. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of regression, but it's impressive. He's been able to put the ball in the hoop from downtown. Um, but he uses his height well, he uses his body well to get to position on the court where he can use that length and athleticism. Uh, the playmaking is interesting thing at Colorado. It's, it's a pretty my turn, your turn type of offense. You're not seeing a ton of uh, great like decision-making, but he shows flashes of it and he's got an intriguing skill set. So the fact that he's having a good start is encouraging. Uh, I'm not ready to go. Oh, I'm all in, but I'm more in on what he's done than I am with just about all the other freshmen that came in as equally highly touted or more highly touted than he was. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you look at just Colorado's, uh, I mean, they, they've been good, but with, with Cody Williams, excuse me, he, he started, like you said, 60% from three. It's, 
for those who don't know, six of 10 from three. Like that sample size isn't real. I trust the free throw percentage a lot more. He's 16 of 24. It's 67% basically. And that to me is where it's like, okay, that number is going to come down really hard. And kind of like you said, the numbers look make it look a lot better than it actually is. He's been doing a lot more play finishing, but there are real things to like. I mean, the size, the athleticism, I think he's had enough flashes on defense to, to buy in there. I think in this draft, you just don't know really because it's not like last year where we had this standout prospect. We had another standout prospect right behind him. And then it was just this wave of guys who overperformed or not really overperformed, but lived up to the hype and made it like a historic draft class. And you just don't see that. And then you go back to this where it's like, well, this guy, he, he had a bad summer. He's coming out the gates hot. How does he do? Like you kind of said in Pac-12 play, what does it mean? And and how does it you know translate into Pac-12 play? We won't know for another month, but it is something I think that's a little bit food for thought. Another guy who I, I'm a big fan of so far, and I think almost everyone is at this point, is Ryan Dunn at Virginia. You're obviously a Virginia guy. Uh, Got to give you a moment here because I remember it was – it was Trey Murphy was 2022 draft, right? Yeah, yeah, he had to be. Because uh, he was – I think. You might be right. You're right. It's a tra- It was – yes – because it was the same draft as Kate Cunningham. So when we were doing that, we, I vividly remember early November, we were talking about like ACC preview, right? And you go, hey, there's this guy at Virginia. He's a shooter, transferred from Rice, and Trey Murphy. And like, you know these Virginia guys. So I'm curious what you think. You've probably seen him more than me, Ryan Dunn, because I'll, I'll admit Virginia is not the sexiest watch. But he's done really well, 9.8 points per game. 6.4 rebounds, one assist on 53% from the field, only 21% from three, but 71% from the line on four attempts a game. But that's not the main selling point. He is averaging, this is unbelievable, 2.8 steals and 2.8 blocks per game. If you get that, just combine that, like at 6.8, 2.8 combined steals and blocks, you're doing great. His block percentage is 12.3. His steal percentage is 6.7. Both of those, if he finished the season, that he would be the best defensive statistical prospect ever. So I'm curious what you think. Obviously, those numbers are a little bit high. Do you think that comes down? What do you think of him in general? Well, I appreciate the little claim to fame. That was my very first episode on Locked on NBA Draft before it became Locked on NBA Big Board. So I'm glad I'm glad it went well. Um, yeah, Trey Murphy's been one of my very favorite players to evaluate, and I watched him play Towson the very first game of that season, and I was all in. Um, it's funny that th- this is another one, and I actually, uh, for those of you who listen every day, the Everydayers, we appreciate you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Raphael and I were talking, and I was like, "Do you remember when we were at the combine and we we're talking about defenders?" And I said, oh, this guy from Virginia might be up there next year. Well, that was Ryan Dunn. So Raphael gave gave a little shout out. So I don't I don't have Ryan Dunn in quite in the same regard that I had Trey Murphy. So I'm not going to give that quite a glowing um, review. But I'm I'm very high on him to the point where now I feel like I'm a little low on him compared to the consensus. Um, But I but I was there early. I was there very early. Uh, Long story short about Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn came into Virginia hoping to emulate DeAndre Hunter. That's what everyone in the Virginia camps was talking about. They were saying, oh, DeAndre Hunter redshirted. Ryan Dunn essentially redshirted. He hardly played. And at the end of the last year, there were some injury woes between Caden Shedrick, Ben Vanderplas, a couple other players. Uh, He got some rotation minutes, and they are like, wow, this guy's like a really good defender. He just can't shoot yet. Um, 
he's a true sophomore right now. He didn't end up redshirting, but the plan was essentially the same as DeAndre Hunter, where they redshirted him because they were very good and had players in his stay that were older. Um, and that's what Ben Vanderplas, a fifth-year senior, occupied that spot. Long story short, he came into this year, and everyone knew he was going to be a starter and the second-best player on the team, even though he gave very little production statistically the year before, Reese Beekman being the first. Reese Beekman said, Ryan Dunn is might be my primary competition for defensive player of the year in the ACC. Reese Beekman, for those of you who don't know, won it last year. Uh, Ryan Dunn's defense is at a level that I don't think there's been in the ACC. And I think the only player that I would say is comparable defensively in college basketball that was a wing recently was Matisse Thibel, uh, someone who blocked a ton of shots, got tons of steals, but he's bigger, he's longer, and there's more promise to his shot because he has been shooting it for less less long. Like he he has only recently expanded his game out, and he's gotten the grenade recently a few times where he's been past the ball late in the shot clocks and he shoots it with confidence. I think that percentage is going to go up. I'm not saying he's a great shooter, but he's better than a 21% shooter. And defensively, like you said, he's a world-class defender. Like he's already an NBA defender um, playing college basketball. And sometimes this pack line inflates your defensive value, but deflates your statistics. Well, he's breaking the statistics out of the water. And I think he's probably even better in a faster paced environment. So I am high on done. That said, you got to be able to shoot in today's NBA. That's, I think, the biggest thing that I'm going to change my evaluation process. Uh, I've typically liked long defenders, and I, I think they have a little more uh, to work with. They have to work on the shot a little more to be more valuable at, uh, compared to where I had them in the previous years. Um, that Those have been mostly my mistakes. So I'm a little bit lower, but I may be overcompensating that. But long story short, I, I really like Ryan Dunn, and I've been, I've been eagerly kind of tracking him for a better part of two years now. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the jump shots got to get there. So far, the shooting indicators have been mild at best. Who are some guys that you like that have had hot starts that you're curious to see where it goes? Well, I think the main one that I just didn't see coming at the level it's been has been Reed Shepard, right? Uh, I, I knew who he was. I knew he, uh, of the Kentucky appeal, but he came in overshadowed by Justin Edwards, who I was never particularly high on. And then DJ Wagner, who I, I thought was going to be the best player, on Kentucky, and then both Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard have surpassed those two guys and kind of usurped the throne as uh, as like, hey, here are the two one-and-done prospects. Uh, I don't know if it's quite that clear-cut, but that's what it appears to be right now by most pundits. Um, Reed Shepard can really shoot the basketball. Like, that much is clear. Defensively, uh, he's going to get those tropes, the cliches that say, oh, he's an intangible defender. He knows where to be, and all this stuff that, that talks about grit. And I think some of it's fair. It's just it's cliche. It's it's, it's too too often used. Uh, the question is, how well can he defend um, against NBA spacing with his size? Like he's not small, but he's not big. And then how much can he ex um, get the most out of his value as a point guard as opposed to an off ball player? Because he can really, really shoot like there's no question about that. Uh, the first game where he was the man. They lost against UNCW, and he was kind of getting exposed defensively, though I wonder if that had to do with fatigue because if he had to carry such a burden offensively. I, I, I'm, I'm a little torn on him, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think – I mean, you don't trip and fall into three points a game through eight – or, excuse me, three steals a game through eight games. I think he's very coordinated. I think that goes into a lot of it. Um, but I mean, that, that offense is real. And we, I feel like we see this a lot, right? Like he's almost reminding me of how Malik Monk was at, um, at Kentucky to start the season. I think that's like, it's not a one-to-one, -one, but like just that just initial pop 
you know, so I think he's somebody who the offense feels real. The percentages will absolutely come down because right now I, I, just, I don't think 62% from the field for a 6-3 guard with 61% from three, and that's half your shots. And he's made. I, I don't see that happening too. with also a four hundred percent from the free throw line. He's got four four uh, rebounds, four steals, four assists, and three steals. Like at every level, he's passing every statistical box, and the eye test looks really good. Like the I'm a college basketball fan, like just as much as an NBA draft fan. And Kentucky is better on the on the court when he's on the court than they are with guys who are ahead of him. Like that matters. The question is now, what are you drafting him to be? Like, like, what would you, if you're a team drafting, let's say 10 to 20, and he's on the board, you're probably not drafting him to be a franchise player. You're not drafting him to be a, a transcendent piece, but what are you drafting him for? And I, I can't quite figure out that question yet. Like, is he Tyler Hero, who is a, you know, it's an easy comparison because they went to Kentucky. They're both white. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's quite got that game. Yeah, I don't know who he compares to. I think he's tough. Like, if you're drafting him to be a microwave scorer off the bench, you're probably fine at this point. If he's very good at that role, he's probably 20th pick. But I, I just I think he's somebody where I'm at. My personal take is let's wait and see. Like, you got to wait and see until the SEC play starts because, I mean, I I, I mean, he know, I know he did well against Miami. That was a really good test. But at the same time, like, you got to see it night in, night out, find those holes because it's very easy to scout a player when all they do is shoot the ball perfectly, almost, uh, relatively speaking. And when you see them just start missing, like let him go one for 10 one game. And I think we'll get a lot better of an idea of just how he impacts the game when he's not scoring. So that I'm, I'm kind of in the wait and see stage. What's uh, who's another guy for you that uh, that has started off really hot and then we'll we'll move to some of the cold guys. Uh, I've been impressed with Jacoby Walter. I know there's been some games that are better than others, but when you play well against the best competition, it, it makes me believe that you can. You have the capacity to do things that very few do. Uh, he scored in his debut 28 points against Auburn, who I think is a borderline top 25 team. And then he's been good in other high, high major games. And then some of the lower major games, he just looks a little complacent. Uh, I, I really think that you got to evaluate talent as opposed to consistency at times. And especially with freshmen who are on good teams, like Baylor's number six in the country. And he's been a, he's their best player, but he's fitting in a role and he's got to fit in. Uh, I, I think I made this mistake with Keontae George, who uh, last summer I, I was like, oh, he's a top seven pick because he reminds me of Jamal Murray from what I saw at Global Jam. And then I nitpicked what he did inconsistently in certain games. Uh, even though there was tremendous talent and shot making. Uh, I, I think he's he's got some of those qualities where you just can't overlook sheer talent. Um, and he's done it at a level where very few in this draft class that we've all labeled as weak have de demonstrated. So I would say that he's got some stuff that I think is real. Uh, and even though there's been some inconsistency littered throughout his season, uh, I'm going to stand on the real side of it as opposed to, oh, hot start. I think it's going to fade. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think... For me, I've seen him now for a while. He's from the Dallas area. I saw him play against Caleb Foster um, last year in high school, and he's gotten so much better. He, I think he was probably the best player on the court that day, and he's just gotten significantly better. The jump shot's gotten real better. The The pull-up shooting is so much more smooth. I just feel like someone like him, it, it's going to be tough to see him not turn into a two-way guy. Just watching him come off of screens 
is really impressive. Just an off-ball player can create his own mid-range shot. Kind of like you said, you kind of just have to evaluate the talent, not the consistency. I mean, I watched the Florida game recently, and that was probably his least effective game because of foul trouble. And he was still just so impressive when he when he was in. He didn't really do a ton in terms of playmaking or anything, but like the raw talent of a potential three-level scorer, it's always going to be appealing. Uh, when, you know, let's talk about some of the, the cold guys, but first I uh, want to talk about FanDuel real fast. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining NFL, uh, excuse me, joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season and also the NBA season as well. Obviously, all this, all the, uh, you know, the NBA, NHL, and NFL are all in full swing right now. So uh, FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. So, Thank you for joining back with us on Locked On NBA Big Board. Let's get to some of the guys that have gone a little bit cold, right? Where they they started, they had these high expectations. They started slow. I'm going to cheat and use somebody here that I think started pretty slow, but he kind of picked it up in the last week. And that's Riley Kugel. Uh, Kugel excuse me. Uh, he is somebody that <laughs> it was rough the first five games or so were pretty bad against uh, all the way through pit. It's something just clicked. The first five games was <laughs> just rough. 11 points a game, 36% shooting, 21% from three. And also he changed his shot mechanics a little bit, which I don't like. But the last two games whew, against Baylor and Wake Forest, I, who I think are a legitimate competition. I mean, obviously this is going to sound good because he had two really good games, but 24 and a half points, seven rebounds, 56% shooting. Like he looked the part again. He looked like that guy we expected to take that jump. I obviously think we have those two games to go off of. Whereas the first five, I still would have given the same answer. But now that we have some evidence, I think he's real. I think he's going to make that jump where, I mean, right now, I don't even know where he is on, on ESPN sport. I, I was looking, he's at 50. I finally found him actually. He's at 50. There's no way I think that the next update, he's below even 25. What do you think of Riley? Uh, I've been high on him for a long time. He, uh, he was someone that I had before he pulled out of the draft last year in top 20 in my draft class, uh, my draft board as a freshman, just on the sample size of when he was the man playing after Castleton got hurt for Florida. Uh, I, I don't ex remember the exact timeline, but if you go through my Twitter and look up Riley Kugel, there's there's some something early where I, I saw him play an AU game. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy's under recruited. And it didn't mean very much, but I, I've always liked his um combination of skill and athleticism i think too many players that get recruited highly are one or the other and he had a fluidity uh, with, about his athleticism that was functional um and that's something that i i admire in his game and i think the shooting i did notice his shot looked a little flat in one of the games i watched um but i, I buy his ability to score i think a lot of his lower percentages that you saw last year were due to forces being the man not being accustomed to that i think he's going to develop playing with more competent competition uh, co uh competent teammates and better competition i think he's going to be someone who goes in the top 20 i i'm pretty i'm pretty set on that especially because last year's class was regarded very highly 
I had him top 20 before he withdrew, and this year's class is not regarded highly. We talked about picking a lot of issues with even players that we're higher on. Like we talked about issues that Reed Shepard and, and Jacoby Walter have. Uh, if, if we're going to be nitpicking some of those guys who have really exceeded expectations, I, I think it's likely that a guy like him will regress positively to the mean, um, and, and he'll be a top 20 type of player. Yeah, I think I think that's completely fair. I I, I had him as my number one, uh, my number one returning sophomore, a returning player, I should say. And those guys usually do really well on draft night. And Ryan Dunn might surpass him at this point, but number two isn't bad. So, uh, who's somebody that you have? I'm trying to stick to college, but you know, I, I'm just foreshadowing here a bit. It may not be someone in college for me, even though I'm, I'm going to break my own rule again. But who's somebody else you have that that started cold that you're curious about where they're going to end up for the rest of the year? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think one guy. Okay, I've got two more sophomores. Actually, uh, I couldn't decide between which which two to go with here. Uh, the two sophomores are Tyrese Proctor and Donovan Klingon. The difference between the two is that one of them's coming off an injury, uh, and that's Klingon. And so I I feel like people have been less critical of what he's done. And obviously, the, the newest news is that uh, Proctor got hurt against Georgia Tech. So that may stunt his growth here, but we'll talk about what happened prior to that. He just didn't look very aggressive, and he kind of started slowly last year at Duke. And then once he became the what I what I would say was the best player on a team in Duke that made a furious charge, became one of the real threats to, to win it all, even though they lost in the second round. A lot of people really liked what they did. Their Ken Palm numbers were through the roof offensively and defensively the last 15 games of the season. It was because of Proctor's growth. This year, I didn't see it, and maybe it was just that they had a lot of growing to do. But typically, if a returning point guard who's a lottery talent is there at your disposal, that type of team runs well, and I was unimpressed. Um, but he'll have time to change it, uh, assuming he's able to get back from injury. As for Klingon, I think injury does matter, but I also think that he was able to dominate a lot on energy. Um, playing behind Adama Sanogo, taking advantage of inferior competition, either backup bigs or tired competition um, because of the work of Adama Sanogo, who ended up winning the fi final four most outstanding player. So I, I'm a little lower on Donovan Klingon than I thought I would be coming into this year. I just haven't been terribly impressed, but I, I think he's got a room to improve. Uh, and I do think big guy foot injuries uh, worry me a little bit, but he, he's still yeah. moving well. So it, the fact that he's moving well impresses me, but I will temper my expectation just because I don't feel like he's been even a top two player in UConn thus far. Yeah, he's been super hard to evaluate for me um, because he was another guy. I had top 10. I thought all the things were there, especially coming off the championship. I thought it was obvious. You know, I wanted him to be in that draft last year, but he he was – it made sense. Come back. Sonogo's gone, like you said. He hasn't capitalized. So that's an interesting one. For me, my last one, this is somebody who I just thought would be so good right away. I know people had talked about him as a sleeper one and done at Kansas, but he just hasn't been that. And that's how Marco Jackson, six points a game and 23 minutes a game on 37% shooting. He's really struggled. Did you get to watch him at all in high school? No, no, I did not watch him much Fair. in high school, but I am not impressed. I Yeah. I, 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 I saw the hype. I read into it, but – as a college basketball fan, almost first and foremost, I think what Kansas lacks is a scoring guard, and that's what you're supposed to be. Uh, if you're, you know, a, a lottery caliber guard, you're not taking someone who's like a three and D 
not by nature. And that's what he's attempting to be. So I, I watched him for about a, like what I would say was about a quarter. I know they play halves in college basketball. And I was like, I'm, I'm fully out and I will have to be floored the opposite way to move, move my stance. I, I feel like he is not a good shooter. I don't think he's a very good attacker of the rim. Uh, I don't think he's a very good passer. I think he is a good athlete, but I, you know what I think Kansas did? I think they mismanaged their roster and assumed Arterio Morris would somehow be available. Yeah. And I don't want to get into legal stuff there, but I think Bill Self's going to regret the way that he managed the offseason recruiting because they're lacking a shooter, and it's it's very obvious that that they don't have one. And unless El Marco Jackson shows he can really shoot, which he hasn't at any point, I think Kansas is going to regret that decision. And El Marco Jackson is going to plummet in the draft fairly or unfairly just because that's what they need. So he's going to get exposed as not being that. Yeah, dude, spot on. I mean, he's a pull-up shooter. In high school, he was that, but he just hasn't been there yet. And I, I don't know if I expect him to fully be that, you know, just kind of player going forward. Coming up, we're going to talk about some – we're going to do some rapid fire on some guys that we see that have had some really hot starts that we didn't get to talk to in those first two segments. But first, let me tell you about game time. I'm sure you've all been there. You know, it's the holidays. A lot of things get crazy, but you're trying to buy a ticket for a game. I've been there. I won't say the the name of the site, but I've been there. I've tried buying it. You get to the to the checkout and it's gone, stuff like that. It happens. You shouldn't have to worry about that when you're buying tickets, though, to your next big event. You know, if you're a draft, draft fan, there's a lot of college basketball happening around you. And you should use game time to help you get those tickets so it's worry-free so that you don't have to have that issue that I've had in the past. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. And you can also see the view from your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. And also you can get tickets even after the start of the event, which is really impressive because I'm sure you guys have done it where you look and see what's available. If you're, you know, at the end of the game, you're trying to move up, whatever that you, you know you can get a ticket after the game say hey i actually want these tickets and it works you're right outside the gate you want a ticket and the tips already happen you're good so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on mba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem codes and that's locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So thank you for, again, listening to Locked On NBA Big Board. We are back. My name is Richard Salmon. I'm here with Leaf Tulin. Let's do some rapid fire. We'll do about three or four of these guys. We'll just kind of go until we uh, we hit a wall. But some guys I think that have started off doesn't necessarily need to be hot first, cold first, whatever it was. I'll start with somebody who... I was going to do international, but I'm, I'm going to stay here earlier. I was going to say Bobby Clintman or Bobby Clintman, who is, is averaging 11 points a game on 41% shooting, but I'll start with somebody who's been hot and I'll again, stick with the theme of college. I've already cheated once with Riley Kugel. What about Rob Dillingham at Kentucky? We talked about his teammate Reed Shepard earlier. What do you think of him and is his stuff sustainable? Uh, I think so. Actually, I was skeptical coming in. I compared him, to Turquavion Smith, which was a kind of a toss away one. I, I'm not saying like, Hey, their careers are going to be identical. Anything just play style. Uh, I think he's a far better distributor than he was projected to be, or I thought he could be. 
I think he's a better defender than many people said he was. And I think he makes Kentucky go. And before their loss to UNC Wilmington, they had the fewest turnovers in the country for a freshman-led team, and he was the best point guard in those games. So that means something to me. Uh, their bench unit, led by he and Reed Shepard, has been absolutely dominant. Their plus-minus is astounding. And, I mean, you, you can only do what you can do, right? Like, if you're given a role you, and you excel in it, that, that should be uh, smiled upon. And if you're struggling in a role, like, maybe that can be criticized. And through a short sample size, that's all we can do. So I, I actually do b- believe in uh, Dillingham. And I, I don't know exactly what his ceiling is or, or even what a fair expectation is. But I think he was given like this unfair reputa- reputation as like a chuck or a microwave scorer. I think he's more than that. And he's someone who can run an offense and be an efficient scorer with different ways of scoring. So I I, I buy Reed, uh, Reed Shepard and rob dillingham i just don't know what either of their roles will be yeah that's fair i feel like if cam thomas can stick like he's done i thought dillingham was gonna be similar in that way with way less passing and he just hasn't been he's he's been a good playmaker so i fully i'm, I'm with you on that what about trevon brazil I, I believe i'm saying that correctly that name for whatever reason always stumps me and if you've been listening to the show for long enough you know i'm bad with names so what do you think of him at arkansas He's coming in for those. Sorry, one thing for context. He just came back from ACL surgery, so wanted to paint that background. Yeah, that that's the start. I, he just doesn't look as athletic. Like he looks like he can jump, but he doesn't look quick. And he was an unbelievable athlete beforehand. Like last year with Anthony Black and with Nick Smith and with um, Ricky Council, he may have been the best athlete of that of those guys, and they were all astoundingly athletic um and right now he just looks like he's a a touch slow uh he's a good rebounder he's got potential to space the floor but i i just hesitate to have have the same faith i did before in the rest of his game coming along if it's main attribute that i loved last year in terms of his athleticism and versatility um seems in danger so i'm i'm a little out on Brazil as much as I really I, I appreciate what he does in the game the archetype I just don't know if it's functional now with his loss of athleticism yeah I, I think that's fair what about Kalel Ware at uh, at Indiana that's an interesting one I was lower on Ware in his high school recruiting process than just about anyone I just I don't know why I just didn't like him right now he's the best player in Indiana who's an all right team like many people would have thought there's a chance that either of his front court companions would be better in college and maybe Mbako could be a better freshman, a uh, better draft prospect as a freshman than where as a sophomore. I think he's made himself into a top 20 caliber pick, but I'd be hesitant to pull the trigger if I were a GM, just considering last year his knock was he didn't try hard. And then Mike Woodson, his coach is like, well, I can dispel any rumors. He tries really hard, but I, I did hear that. Like it, it doesn't help your help your case if if your coach who takes you out of the portal is like, well, we wanted this talent, but he, yeah, it's true. He didn't try hard. Um, so I, I'm curious to see what it, he turns into in Big Ten play and how real his shooting is. If his shooting ends up being real, uh, then I then I'm a little more positive right now on Tankathon. He's projected 14th. He's shooting. 55% from three. I anticipate he's going to end up around 35%. And even then that's probably 
good enough. Um, I, in, in a not great draft, top 20 is fine. I, I just, I don't love it. How about you? Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of him, man. Like the, the production is real. He has looked like the prospect we thought he'd be coming into Oregon, but sometimes those labels that he got there don't escape you. And I just don't know. I feel like sometimes it's, we can't see any flashes of it. Like it's, it's almost like when Aiden got just absolutely destroyed by Buffalo, right? That kind of stuff held around for a while. And then it translated to the NBA. Can he avoid slipping? Like he's had a nice start, but he's almost on my wait and see. I got one more guy for you. And then I think, uh, I don't know if you had anybody you wanted to throw out, but this is a guy we saw at the combine. He returned. I think both of us got to talk to him. We, we liked what we saw as a person from him and the intangibles and everything. I'm curious what you think about his pretty good start, improved offense. And that's Dylan Mitchell, who also shot the lights out of the combine relatively. Yeah, I really liked him as a person. I think that was one of the most enjoyable interviews. Uh, I think it was the right decision to come back, but I was shocked when he made it. I remember telling you at the combine that I thought he'd go first round. I thought that Peyton Watson, because he'd been proven like that type of player could work, even though little production before uh, that, that paved a way for him to move on. And once he hit that one, three, I thought he would shut it down. When he came out and warmed up for the second game, I was like, man, that's awesome that he did it. I'm not sure I would have Um, as to answer your question of, do I buy what I've seen this year? Uh, I'm not sure. Like he's got a bigger role on a team that is finding an identity. They're not great, um, but they are talented. So the fact that he's scoring 12 points a game, he's providing all the energy. I have no doubt about his character after talking to him. He's shooting 54% from the free throw line. Hasn't shot really any threes. I, I mean, technically he's shot one or two, but it's just, it's yeah, he's shot, he's shot one, two, three, four five threes at this point and he hasn't made one yes he's not going to space the floor but i think there is a way in the nba uh and i think he should come out this year because it's not a great draft but it, like i told you I, I think my big switch i'm going to do is you have to be able to shoot to some some degree and i think there's a lot of guys that are athletic defenders in this class that can't shoot so i think that may actually help him but I, I just don't know. I don't know how high he can go if you have such a glaring deficiency, no matter how much he improves elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I got one other guy for you. I was I was torn between these two freshmen. Uh, one of them is – I think one of them has had a significantly worse start than the other. And I was going to say Garway Duel, but I thought about this guy instead, and that's Xavier Booker at Michigan State. We never really got to see a lot of him because his, his he, stuff he's wasn't not going to go to the league. Circuits. He's not going to go to the to the draft as a freshman. I, yeah. I I'm I watched his scrimmage against Michigan State because I was just craving college basketball. It was like an inter squad scrimmage, and I was like, man, I can't wait to watch Michigan State. Like we got this five star freshman who's being compared to Jared Jackson. Let me watch him. Let let's see what he's all about. And I was so disappointed. And I was like almost like saddened because I thought Michigan State could contend for a championship if they had a guy who could stace the floor and, and block shots along with their veteran guards and and uh, and just kind of more their more rugged big men. And he's just a baby gazelle. Like he, he's he's not he's not fluid. He's not strong. Yes, he can shoot, but there's no way he's playable at the college level at this point. So how is he playable in the NBA? Like he could be in a long, long-term development, but I don't think he'll go out. I wouldn't be surprised if he transfers, or he'll maybe he'll be a breakout next year. Uh, let me let me fire one back at, or if you want to add something, I got I got one or two to fire back at you though. Okay, 
I, I've talked to Raphael about him. Uh, I'm fully out on Justin Edwards. I watched his scrimmage on uh, inter-squad scrimmage, blue and white for Kentucky. And I, I watched with one of my very good friends. And I said, man, he can't dribble. I, I, was, I didn't watch much high school this class. So I didn't know the reputation. I just knew who was supposed to be good. Whereas last year I watched more high school. And I was like, oh, this guy could be number one. Everyone's telling me that. And he can't dribble. So so where where are you on him? Like, I'm fully out just on that clip. And then I've watched Kentucky play three times. And what is he, an energy guy who gets tip-ins and runouts? Yeah, I liked him in high school. The athleticism pops so much. And I think he was just so much more physically dominant that he could make up where guys wanted to reach on him. And he played decent. Like, EYBL is pretty tough, right? And he played pretty well there. He was able to get to the rim, but a lot of it was because he would dribble and these guys would reach, and then all of a sudden he just exploded, right? And that for that, that doesn't that's not something that always translates up where guys take advantage of your bad handle and sometimes they miss. And then you win. That's that's not winning basketball. So combine the, that with the fact that he's not that great of a shooter. That was my big question mark for him, and it hasn't exceeded my expectations, let alone the dribbling. The shot scares me off a little bit. Maybe Kentucky was just the bad, bad you know, fit for him, but I just don't know. It's a tough one for me. I, I think I was almost going to say him, but I, I'm pretty low on him right now. I, I think almost everyone on draft Twitter is out on him. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, this is going to sound revisionist just because I didn't talk too much about it, but my, my friend at Blue Devil Thoughts on Twitter and I watched the blue-white scrimmage, and we were like, what on earth? Like, I, I was I was appalled, honestly. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope he really progresses and I, I never want to root against him, but I, I just like when I saw he, he went, Oh, of six against Kansas, first off six shots. If you're going to be the number one pick in the draft, like that's what you're touted to be. That's, that's, that's hard to believe that that's what it's going to end up being. Uh, one more for you. Whose first game was actually great. Uh, Eve Missy. Uh, he's someone that I, I just like the makeup. I like the way he moved. Um, when I watched him play at the beginning before I really knew who he was, I was like, man, I kind of like this guy um in his future i didn't think he was quite a one and done and then he and then about five minutes before he had his awesome like sequence where he got a block and a run out dunk i started to think to myself what bigs in this class are more fluid and have more potential than this guy and i couldn't really come up with many so i started convincing myself on him and then he had an awesome play and i know that's like a that's like a bang bang sequence and you you your eyes like want to remember that and i've watched him since and he's been solid but unspectacular what are you what are your thoughts on eve missy yeah i, I mean this is a lame comparison but i mean he's kind of what jonathan chamla chachua was in a way before his injury not like one-to-one but i think that energy like that same role and I really liked him a lot, JTT. I'm, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it twice. You because, got it right. I mean, you got it right. I know I did. I just, again, knowing how my history is with names, I'm not going to risk ruining that 100% success rate. So, uh, but with him, though, I mean, I really do like the athleticism, right? With Yves Missy. And I, I think his, the athleticism's there, just that productivity. He's a good rebounder. The, the size is like fine, but the athleticism makes up for it, right? Like one of the things I always remember hearing on 2K was, Oh, he's he's smaller than the average big, but his athleticism makes up for it. It was like this cheesy line, but it actually is true. Like where these guys, especially in this NBA, just looking at the Mavs, right? Like I am Mavs draft. I, I have to tie it in. Dwight Powell's six nine. He's so athletic, and a lot of times offensively on pick and roll, you wouldn't know. Like this was a lot before his Achilles injury. You wouldn't know he was six nine. You thought he was maybe six eleven. The way he explodes and gets up to the rim, those guys that does have real value. So 
Uh, and same thing with like even Trace Jackson Davis last year. He wasn't that big, but the explosion made him always seem so much bigger, and that's valuable. Yeah, M- Missy, I, I actually believe can be a top 20, 25 pick uh, just because he averages 2.4 blocks. He's thin. He's kind of newer to basketball. I believe that there's more to work with and more to sculpt than there is with a lot of these other prospects whose talents are more determined. Hey, this is what they are. I think there's more to work with with Missy. And that gives you for risk of missing if he doesn't develop them the right. But I, I just see this fluidity and athleticism that's uh, that's tempting. So I, I'm going to I'm going to buy uh, early on Eve Missy. Yeah, good call. And and so that, that was our back and forth on some hot and cold guys. Uh, just recapping in general who started hot in the season, who started cold and what's real and what's not. Really appreciate again, everyone listening. My name is Richard Salmon for Leaf to Lean. I also want to just give one last message before we are out. If you haven't checked out the Locked On Sports today, it is the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Again, for Leave to Lean, my name is Richard Stamen. And we are out. Thank you.